How long have you been working with your current processor? Oh, that's a nightmare to be honest. I hope they know. Really? Yeah. So Northeast Oklahoma, which is where we're at, actually really most of Oklahoma has no chicken processor. Um, And there's a pretty large amount of us here that are doing meat birds. Um, One of the closest ones is like an hour and a half to two hours south of us, but their price per bird is astronomical. This is the Farm Hop Life Podcast, a traveling homestead family. I'm Matt DeRosier. On the Farm Hop Life Podcast, we learn what it takes to grow your own food from everyday people. Could be a college student, grows tomatoes and salad greens on their apartment patio, a former VP of marketing for Del Taco now raising cattle in Montana, or someone who hasn't had a homestead in over 10 years. This show is aimed at teaching you what it takes to make homesteading work for you, that we all make mistakes, we all have bad days, but we can reach out and help one another thrive in giving you the confidence needed to go feed yourself. That's definitely not the first time that that, ha- that has happened. Uh, we're like, hey, we got to reschedule because this came up. And like whenever yeah. it's farm related, it's like perfect reason. Excellent well, excuse. I kind of hate it, though, because like I had somebody that was going to come to the farm recently. They had like family in town and the kids were so excited. And it was like that day was the day that we got the call that the feed was ready. And it was supposed to rain for like four days after that, which means like that was the only day we could go get the feed because we put it in big feed sacks on the back of the the trailer. And it's Mm. like a two hour drive from where we mill. And so it was like, that was our only option. And I felt really bad to reschedule, but I'm like, we can't drive with feed when it's raining because it's ripped. Right. Yeah. I actually just dumped a bag of moldy chicken feed that that i had been sitting that had been sitting around so i keep i have 55 steel uh 55 mm-hmm. gallon drums with a locking mm-hmm. ring on top mm-hmm. and that's what i had been keeping my chicken feed in and mm-hmm. it's been working awesome until last year where we it was really wet for it was abnormally wet and i think some condensation had gotten inside and it started to mold some of that chicken feed with no way for it to escape. And so that's the only time I've had a problem of any sort. Like, it obviously, it keeps rain, snow, rodents, like all of it. It just um, doesn't keep out condensation. Yeah, I did. Um, I lifted the lid one time. It had rained. And those metal barrels have, like, the lid is not flush. It has, like a like, a little dip in it. And yes. I like lifted the lid and just poured all rainwater right into the feed. And I was like, uh, so I'm sitting oh, there like crap, yeah. this, use only the wet feed, <laughs> like, because it's like, you leave a little moisture in. And like you said, like it just, it luckily it kind of, it's almost like cat litter in a way. Sometimes it kind of clumps together. So you can yeah, like, cakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes right. sense. I know that yeah, you kind of got to take that lid and flip it almost I like know. I yeah. got I learned my lesson. I also, that was the same word that I like took my phone one time and like set it on it and it had rained. <laughs> it's like in three inches of water. And I was like, I ever learned anything. <laughs> I'm assuming that uh, you fixed your phone or like it was fine because it was quick. I mean, the iPhone, I feel like at this point, like it doesn't, you can't like deep dive with it, but I think it's like sure. water resistant or whatever they yeah. say it. So it doesn't get ruined. I think you, like it muffles the the microphones a little bit, but 
Yeah, that's exactly what happened uh, to my Android. So like I had, I was washing dishes and I don't know why I had my phone on me. I was, but I dropped it right in the uh, in the crock pot. And so I was like, oh, no, and just like yeah. grabbed it and threw it in some rice. And I don't think the I think we took it out of the rice because we have some of those like desiccant uh, packets, mm-hmm. like moisture absorbers. And so uh, threw it in a plastic bag with two of those and left it in there pretty much all day. And yeah, the yeah. microphone is messed up for a little bit, but it ended up being fine. Yeah. Let's move on. So. <laughs> so I was trying to remember, I was trying to remember earlier today exactly how we connected on TikTok. And I, if I remember correctly, I had that video about Smithfield pork and like where it comes from and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And you made some comment like, this is why we raise our own chickens. And I didn't even bother looking into your profile. I'm like, that's enough of a reason to to interview somebody. And then I didn't realize, you know, you guys actually from, I try not to go too deep into uh, somebody's profile only because then it kind of ruins all of the questions. Like I know too much about. Yeah, that you already know. And then it does, it's not like an actual conversation. Right. Yeah. But it seems like you guys have a sizable operation because I've seen videos since then, like, we're going to do 6,000 chickens this year. I'm like, holy crap. Uh, so, I mean, I'm sure, you know, sizable is obviously very, you know, subjective. Yeah. Um, sizable to where we started, um, sizable to the industry. <laughs> but, you know, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's moving, it's going. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's start from the beginning. How did you guys get started into like, did you like start homesteading and then like, Hey, let's ramp this up into a full fledged farm or how did that, how did that start? Yeah. So, I mean, when we made the like jump, the move, the wing it and do it, I mean, that's really what it is. And like, I don't try to like dramatize that anymore, but like we didn't grow up in agriculture at all. Um, I didn't even do 4-H. I lived in a neighborhood and so did, so did Dustin and, but we wanted land and we wanted to, I don't even know that we really went into it and said we want to homestead. I think it was like, we kind of wanted just some land to just kind of do whatever we thought. And um, and that kind of evolved even after getting on the land. And that's something that people ask me all the time. Like, did you, were you looking for specific things when you found that land? And I'm like, I don't really know if we knew. Now I can, two years in, I can give you, I could probably be the best real estate agent out there for, I mean, like, you know, I could be a great real estate agent for Homestead because I have this whole list that's like, these these things are more important than these things. And like, maybe we had a little bit of that. Like we were, you know, we we would like this home and, and this land, but Dustin would be like, well, if we ever wanted a shop, it's going to cost this amount of money. So like, we were kind of looking at stuff like that, but to kind of speed up the, the question. Yeah, we started homesteading. So it was like, we brought home four pigs and five sheep. Um, I said, what are we doing with them? And Dustin was like, let's go. Um, so yeah, I will admit that we definitely winked that part. But our motto has kind of been like, do enough research to not put yourself in a bind or endanger animals. And then the rest, you just kind of are learning. Um, I mean, we learned very quickly that like a cow got out of that gate. Like you learned it one time. It's not like, we don't live in a place where it got out and ran into the highway and died. Like we did have to like get it back in. Um, 
so yeah, I would say that we like started off homesteading. It was like, oh, this would be fun to see if we could raise our own chickens. So we started with like 25. And then it was like, well, if we could do 25, maybe we should try 50. It's we're we're very big about like, what are the numbers? Um, what's the labor? What's the feed? Like we're, we track everything. And so it was like, we kind of ran the numbers of what it would be to do 50. And then it was like, well, if we can do 50, we can do 100. That gets us a price break. And maybe we can sell some of them. And then it was like, well, if we did 100, then we could do a round of 300. And if we did a round of 300, we could do around the 600 times three tractors. And then before, I mean, I, I won't say like before we knew it, we were uh, you know, had a full customer base. Like, no, there was definitely, definitely intention involved. Um, we have always been on top of our numbers. We have, we have not just kind of thrown a product out there. Like we know our numbers involved in it. So we were making profit. Now, don't let that fool you. Cash in, cash out very quickly. But we were making profit still. Um, and then we just grew a customer base. We got into a couple of stores with like wholesale accounts, which was kind of a decision that we made despite the industry recommendation. There's a lot of like homestead slash small farmers that really talk about like pulling away from wholesale because you are creating your own competition or you're, or you're kind of watering down the market. And I just viewed it a different way. I have a totally different way of looking at wholesale and we've now done it for seven months and my theory worked out and, and I could kind of like, I could walk someone through all the reasons why wholesale worked for us. Um, but to kind of sum it down the volume game, we hit the volume game at that point. And farming is a volume game. You don't really make any money selling 25 meat birds you make money selling 3,000 meat birds um because your feed costs change now your feed costs went up your infrastructure went up but you start getting price breaks and different stuff Mm -hmm. like that so to answer that question a simple way we definitely started more on a homesteading side um but i tell people all the time i don't feel like we homestead anymore we have like a farm operation and um that's how we make all all of our decisions our kids want a horse. We like raw milk, but it, the numbers don't make sense. And for us right now, everything is numbers driven because it's a business out now at this point. So that's kind of a quick, quick journey of ours um, to where we're at now. So when you say like you kept track of numbers, is that something that you've been like you you're used to? Are you you know? you're an accountant or you just are kind of anal about finances because a lot of people are really bad at tracking numbers. That's me. You're just like, Oh, you know, whatever here, there, blah, blah, blah. And I like, I know I'm in the red. I kind of don't want to know why or how. Uh, So that is more me. Um, My husband and I are two totally different people um, within this like business. And if you're married, which you are, you know that sometimes your differences are your biggest fights, but your best assets. Um, yes. And that is us. So numbers are my husband. He has a degree in finance. He runs numbers and spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah. He runs numbers and spreadsheets and um, does contract stuff every single day. We have jobs. The farm is not our job. Um, I don't know how anybody starts a farm without his outside money. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
he spreadsheets are our thing and so he has it and one day and this might you know a personal plug we don't have it now so there's no plug but one day we want to put more of that stuff out because we have it to where we have spreadsheets that we are able he has it all formulated so that scale that I was talking about when he put in okay 50 meat birds this increased the cost here of feed infrastructure processing here's where our profit is we actually saw that we actually, I don't even think we did 50. We made the jump from 25 to 100 because we actually lost money at 50 with our. Oh, level. interesting. Mm -hmm. That's good and to then know. We didn't, but that's because that's our person. Like those were our processing cost, travel, right. um, our feed. And so these formulas matter. And that's why like, I'm really big about, you can take the, the information that you're receiving from social media, but it's so dependent. And so that's why like, you got to know the numbers. And so that's why, like I say, at one point I want to put these out because again, we made the jump from, I think a hundred birds to 300 because there, we lost money at like 200 because it wasn't enough of that. And so knowing those formulas and that's the same thing with pigs. Like we went from, we just talked meat birds. We did our first year, like 15 pigs. We'll finish out 120 this year. Um, Holy crap. I'm like, good for you. We run out all the, like it's it's crazy. And then even with Liam, it's the same thing. Um, but to answer your question of that, numbers are not my thing. Numbers are Dustin's thing that come easily. But that is one of the biggest things. So f even for the wholesale part, that's why I stand on the platform that I say wholesale does not have to be a bad thing. The reason why people do so horrible in wholesale is because and here's like the main thing. If anybody has ever been asked to do wholesale, most of the time they'll say, Hey, what's your wholesale percentage? And you'll, and they'll say, Hey, we're looking to do 30% off. So like your vendor, well, mm. you don't have a 30% margin on all of your products. Right. And so you may have a 70% on something, which I don't, there's nothing that we have 70% on. Um, uh, but you may have a 70% on something and six on something else like bacon. We barely have a profit margin on bacon. You should barely get any bacon. Um, right. And so if you do a flat 30, then a lot of times the things that sell the fastest actually have the lowest profit margin. And so then you look and you're like, why are we, why are we not making any money because we're selling so much? Well, you just did a flat 30%. So where we came back, we found we know exactly what our profit margins are. So therefore, instead of doing a flat, we said, this is the wholesale number we'll sell it. So here's retail, here's what you have, you can buy it from us. So we have a margin in every single product. Um, so that's why wholesale doesn't have to be bad. You can't just kind of wing it. <laughs> yeah, you, you better know what your numbers are. That makes sense. Yeah. And they're like, you said, you know, you can't, you can't make it just, you know, doing 20, like a run of 25 meat birds. Mm -hmm. It's, it's. Similar to, you know, this spinoff that my wife and I just finished of the, of that narco show. It's like, mm -hmm. it's all about volume. It's you can't just volume. do it on a, on a kilo or two of Coke. I need pallets of Coke. Yeah. And now, now I'm a whole drug look. That's right. That's the clip that you're going to take and put somewhere that's going to get me in trouble. I'm just kidding. Get clicks. Um, 
Um, but yes, that that is something that we learned really quickly that I was like, oh, wow, this is different than I thought because, and I'm kind of vocal about this for people, there is a misconception in my opinion in the, like, the homesteading and small farming community that it's like this whole raise one, sell one like raise it, put it in your freezer and and then sell one, you offset your costs. And I'm like, it's not always that black and white. Um, it may feel like it is. And some things are. Cattle, I, I believe, is one of those that now it took like three years or two years to grow with. But cattle, I think, is one that maybe, but I don't feel like it's always that black and white. And I was having a conversation with a, a friend of ours that was like, hey, we may want to get into meat birds. And I was like, do it. I'll help you. Just go for it. And she was like, I'm thinking we're doing going to do 30. And I said, let's plug some numbers in. And she didn't save money. Now, remember, we're not comparing to Walmart, totally different thing. But yep. for for the product, it was cheaper for her to buy from us. Now, it wasn't even a sales pitch. That's like, she knows what we feed. She knows how we do it. It was cheaper for her to buy from us until she did 100 of them. And that was where I was like, the numbers matter. So if you want the experience of doing it and you want to have them in your backyard and you want your kids to see self-processing, that's totally fine. And I'll never dog that. But if you go in saying, I want to save some money, but maybe you have another job or labor is going to be a really big thing. It's not, there's a misconception there. And I think that that's why a lot of people um, maybe aren't as, happy with some of the decisions that they make or don't really understand why maybe they're not like saving money um because i think it's a little i think it's more than that it's, it's not us. 90 percent of the time it's an expensive hobby yes yes yeah. and i i don't feel like that's understood and if that's okay if it is it's like going fishing like you don't go fishing to really catch your dinner like for everything you just put into it we're hunting honestly for that example like, I feel like hunting has one of those other things that's like, oh, yeah, we put meat in our freezer. I'm like, that was a really expensive meat after you bought everything. But that's fine. But, like, you put meat in your freezer and you had a hobby and that's okay. But yeah. homesteading a lot of times is in that same category. And it absolutely I feel like is. we're not always, like, talking about that. <laughs> yeah, it's it can be a financial drain for sure. And I think it's you know, um, learning anything new, you know, takes a lot of time, takes a lot of skill, patience for sure. And, you know, if you can, if you can really afford it, well, then you just learn how to do it cheaper or, yeah. you know, it just eats a hole in your wallet. And if you can afford for it to eat a hole in your wallet, good for you. Right. But, I, but I feel like it's, I feel like people don't always know that. And that, that makes me sad because then I feel like there's a lot of people that it puts them in a worse bind and it would have been better for them. And the sales, it sounds very salesy, but it would have been better for them to just support a local farmer. Do do some yep. things, but then go support a local farmer because- That's pretty much where we're at right now. Yeah. But, but Homestead, even for myself, like I just mentioned, like we love raw milk. But we go down the road and we buy it from somebody who has 15 of them because, yeah, to have a dairy cow out there produces a lot of milk. But the time and the equipment that we need to add, I would can buy the five or whatever dollars per gallon that she does for like the next five years before I would break even. 
And so I don't have to do it all. And I feel like there's a little bit of that, um, that misconception that we have to do it all. And that's what homesteading is then. You're fully self-sufficient. And I think self-sufficiency also includes knowing other people and knowing the source. Yeah, it's a completely unattainable goal to be 100% self-sufficient. It just, it just, there's too, we, we live in a day and age where there's just too many inputs. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like just, just pick, pick something and like, well, can you make that thing? Yeah, I can make that thing. Okay. What about the parts to make that thing? Like, oh, got me there. Right, so, right. um, just, yeah, just anything like that. Um, going, going back a little bit further. Okay. Why? Like, what motivates you to mm-hmm. to raise pigs, chicken, lamb? Mm-hmm. Um, there are not enough of us doing it to make a difference at all. Um, even if you are like, once you kind of get into this community, um, you feel like everybody's doing it. Like, like the farmers market community. When we started getting into it, I was like, oh my gosh, they have it too. They have it too. Oh my gosh, there's so much competition. And then I realized, no, there's like not even at all competition. They're not my competition. Walmart's convenience is my competition. And so we are still so inconvenient to most people, which is why it's like we go out of our way to deliver. We go out of our way to make bundle packages. We go out of our way to do all these things because I'm not competing against the other farm that's doing pasture-raised pork and competing I'm competing against Walmart that you can get everything at so um so anyways the the why is because there's not enough of us doing it so we're not making any difference whatsoever um like the, the entire Oklahoma which is where I live like all of us that do like pastured chicken are like a drop in the hat of Tyson, which is in Arkansas next door. Like we're not even close. And well, my eye, did you see that on my eye? No. <laughs> stuck. Um, it stuck to my contact. But um, I think that's what's one of the whys. It's like I didn't just choose to do something for the fun of it. It's something that's very needed. Everybody needs to eat and we need more quality and there's not enough of us. And I really do like it. I mean, it really sucks sometimes, but um, but I like it. As long as there's more good days than bad days, right? Yes, yes. I that I mean, that's a that's a big a big part of it. I mean, there's a lot of hard, a lot a lot of hard things, but it's one of those things that you don't really have a choice to not push through. Um, and so, I think it has taught me a lot of of those type of things. Like I don't have a choice to just be like, I cannot, I just want to go inside and watch TV. I, 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 this feed sack is too heavy or whatever. Like I cannot make a decision. So, um, but that's my, I think that's our why. That's why, that's our why at this point now, um, we love, we love having a customer base. We love feeling like we're making a difference. Do you feel like you have to chase down customers constantly or like trying to flip people into, you know, wanting to pursue this more uh, natural, um, whole, like wholesome meat, like lifestyle? Um, Sometimes, yes, because there's still so much education to be done. 
at the time, there's points that I'm like, oh yeah, everybody knows what, what local farming is. Everybody knows. And then I'll see a social media post that will, that'll somebody, and it's never from a judgment point of view. It's like, a, oh my gosh, there's still so much education, but I'll see this, um, this post that somebody said, I really want to support like local or buy fresher meat. And someone commented back and said, I always buy all of my meat from the, from Sam's because they have a butcher there and it's from and it's like local and they butcher it and i was like that's not what that that's is really funny i know i like felt really bad to be like the- dumbo um but they that's just funny. named it butcher <laughs> and like that's not what that is that's still like commercial meat coming in from wherever and they maybe they're like cutting it up because sam can make more profit on those cuts yes Okay, so then that being said, like there's still so much education to be done. Um, there's something like that I- lemon tree girl this week. <laughs> Have you seen that video? I can't. Like- I was kind of, I was probably in my like snarky phase, and I was like, "This is why I'm snarky, so my children don't like." <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, no, though there's a lot of that. So, so yes, there's times that I feel like I have to hunt down people, but yet. I I'm trying to take an educational point of view and but at the same time like those that care they care and those that care there's still a lot of people like they just don't care and then also the grace that I have to kind of like understand is like there are a lot of people that want to eat better but there is not Mm -hmm. enough and yes you could go down the path of like well you didn't have to go get that Starbucks you didn't have to get your nails done and stuff and like there are still people that aren't doing anything for themselves and there's still not enough money to buy better food and so I understand that so then that kicks in the motivation on this side that says what do I have to do with other local farmers what do I have to do to get these costs even lower and lower and lower and more accessible like what are my ideas so there's also that that bit of grace but I had this conversation with somebody the other day that and it doesn't really matter if you're a churchgoer or not if you are you'll understand this more and if you're not you'll still you'll still get it but um, churches of a denomination, oftentimes I told somebody, I don't want to be just, I don't want to be the church of, of farming. What I mean by that is a lot of times churches just share patrons back and forth. So you don't like this church anymore. So then you just go to another church of the same, and, and they just share denominations, but nobody's actually pulling from the community you're actually not growing your I mean some are somebody's going to hear this and be like no but you're not actually like converting people you're just (laughs) passing patrons around if that makes sense so using that example I was like I don't want to be a church of farming I don't want to just do better marketing so therefore this person who already bought pork chops from a local farmer now just buys them from me because I did better marketing. Like then we were, we're not actually making any progress. I just grew my customer base, but I pulled it from you. Um, yeah. So, so that's where there's like, like motivation. coaching customers. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And not even intentionally. Like, I mean, I don't right. know how, right. But it's like, well, it's like, it's like for that, it's like the, let, let the best man win type thing in that regard. But it also, to your point, like, Everybody needs more customers. It's not right. like, you know, right. you're stealing my my 
my customers or whatever. Yeah. Right. And I know that it happens because I know lots of my customers say, oh yeah, we used to buy a blah, 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 but we like, and it's like, it makes me happy for my pocketbook. But at the same time, I'm like, did I actually change anything by becoming another farmer? So that's why it's like my, my brain is always trying to be like, what pocket do I need to hit that isn't already doing this? And so that sometimes gets hard. So to answer that question of like, do you constantly feel like you're chasing after them? Yeah, I'm trying to like, I still feel like I'm trying to chase after those that aren't already supporting local farmers market people. I, I already have the ones that are, they're an easy get. Um, but that doesn't, that doesn't really like meet the bottom line for the whole purpose. What kind of uh, techniques or practices and methods are you using in your firm, like rotational grazing or like a movable chicken tractor, things like that? Yeah, so we definitely um, do all of the, <laughs> the popular terms. And I say that because, you know, in every industry, there's like the popular terms and there's a lot yeah. of greenwashing, even in farming, where it's like, um, like I even caught my own self doing it. I said, oh, yeah, non-GMO, whatever. And I'm like, there's not even a GMO of that product. It's the same word where you see like on, um, I don't know what it was recently. It was like a like a food product and it was like gluten free. I'm like, gluten is not in yogurt. <laughs> it never nice. has you know so those type of things so I try not to do that but we do rotational grazing um so with our we have hogs we have lambs we've had cows and we do hot wire training so we we do single strand high tensile wire we train them to it and then we move them quite often um the the sheep don't get moved as much as the pigs do because they don't make a mess like the pigs do um but we do still move them at least every week because we don't, that reduces, like, we don't have to deworm then. There's, like, those are the parasitic issues really get, um, pretty much get eliminated at that point. And so, yes, right. rotational grazing. And then meat chickens, yes, they are in movable tractors. We kind of did a mosh up of a lot of different designs. And we've had, like, six different designs. Like, we started a little one and then we were like, okay, we like mm. this, went to this. And when I say we, I did not, I did not build these things. I support it. Um, that is, you know, I didn't come with that type of skill set. So we've had multiple designs, but that gets moved every single day. We've seen great success on the land for those tractors. Like it does what it, what it's intended to do. It's, it puts them on fresh pasture while keeping them safe from predators, but also it regenerates the land. That grass is amazing shortly after um and so we try to work kind of things together so like we'll use the sheep first and they'll really cut down the grass because i can't pull a tractor through two foot tall grass they'll really cut it down and then the chickens go and then the pigs go after and then we try to rest the land for at least 60 to 90 days um and then and that's about i mean that that's that i feel like the essence of regenerative ag uh, I mean, I think some other parts of regenerative is like working things together. So yes. we we have like our brooder for the chicks and then we scoop out all of that bedding and then that goes on our compost and that compost is used in the garden. We have about a third acre garden. And then 
Um, that's produce that we put in our bundles. That's also excess that goes back to the pigs. And then I use those vegetables to make chicken stock from the chickens that I just raised. And then that chicken stock, I throw back to the pigs. And so everything kind of works together. And that's where there's almost pulls in like a permaculture part about how you design things that work better together. And there's a lot of buzzwords to use, but in the end, there's, I mean, there's different practices. In the end, I say none of my animals have ever seen a cement floor. Um, They don't live in a barn. Um, So, yes. So you can throw around forested pork and pastured pork and, um, but in the end, it's not commercial, like very far from it. What type of pigs are you running? Breed? So we have a heritage cross. We um, we started with, here's a lesson that anybody can listen to and learn. We started with straight Berkshire, like pure bred, pure bloodline. Um, but here's our very novice mistake that we made. So we found a really great breeder um, and they did show pigs. And so... We don't do show pigs, obviously, and we could get, you're probably already knowing where this is going, and it's so novice, like, it's like, duh. Um, So they would have a litter, and these would be show pig worthy, and these would not. And in in our head, we were like, what a great, we give them a great life, and they give us great meat, and that's great, and this one would have a little kinked, you know, ear, and this one would, like, there was never anything, like, disease wrong, but they definitely... Um, it's just looks cosmetic yeah correct it was cosmetic and so my mind it was like oh it's like those imperfect vegetables like yay this is such a great idea the problem is that it's similar to like german shepherds purebred german shepherds have horrible hip problems because in the general world when you crossbreed stuff you naturally are taking out some of the weak parts of an animal um that's why whether you believe in like evolution or creation evolution like things have evolved to better Mm -hmm. as the weakest don't survive so what was happening was we were getting the weakest of the weak um and we would lose some of them and we'd have like respiratory issues or like a hip issue and there was never disease but they just they didn't grow super fast and we like we were kind of when we hadn't raised pigs before and it was like the fourth round that this um this breeder didn't have any available. So we went and just got some crosses, heritage crosses. So like Duroc, Hampshire, um, Blue Butt, Spotted. So all heritage, but like crossed. And we had them almost kind of at the same time. And it was like, what are these pigs? They were growing faster. They rooted. It's a bunch of freaks. (laughs) I was like, what are you? And we've done multiple rounds with this, this crossbreed. Um, and we just found like, we said it to a vet or somebody one time and they were like, well, yeah, because like you're getting the, you're getting the worst of pure bread and they're genetically probably having more issues because you're constantly just pulling out the, the best parts of them. I'm like, oh, so <laughs> that was a long winded story to say heritage cross. <laughs> Those also make like the best dogs too. Like there, there are some people that, you know, go yeah. well out of their way to, and for some reason, sometimes it's like a good reason, like livestock guardian dogs or something like that. But for the most part, mutts make the best dogs. 
and there and I don't know a lot about that, which is probably why it didn't really occur to us. Like I don't right. know much about purebred dogs and and issues and non-issues, but it was very regardless of that, it was very clear that once we made that shift, we have not had one death of a hog since so we were we were losing sometimes two or three per round. Um and we've gone through cold we've gone through hot we've gone through and we haven't had any issues since and i think it mattered i think that there was something about that that wasn't working and that doesn't mean that that's not that wouldn't work for everybody but it just like constantly was not working for us yeah in your spreadsheet i'm gonna (laughs) assume that you're you're using cornish cross for your uh meat birds yep we did because of the turnaround time When we first got into meat birds, we actually ran Cornish Cross and like a Freedom Ranger at the exact same time because we didn't know. We like we didn't know what we'd like. Um, We liked the Freedom Ranger like taste. It's a darker, a little bit of a darker meat. Like this sounds really weird, but like tasted like chicken. I can't like was just a really deep chicken flavor. Um, But yes, for production purposes, there is nothing that's going to beat Cornish Cross. The turnaround time. Um, that is what your customer base is used to heavy breasted white meat. And so I, yeah, there's still a, there's still a customer base. that's like, Oh, I hate Cornish cross. They're, you know, genetically this and, and yada, yada. And, and I understand that. And I, there could probably be a, a producer out there that would do well with, um, not doing Cornish cross, but the numbers don't add up and, my customer base is not my fellow like homesteader necessarily the cr- or like the crunchy of the crunchy yeah correct they're they're not like they're usually already doing it and um so my customer base has to be like oh this tastes just like what i'm used to but better so corn cross mm-hmm. yeah and it's like how how far do you want to go to have you know the you know the best food of all time mm-hmm. like you gotta you gotta you know draw the line somewhere otherwise right. you're gonna yeah. eat like a uh, chicken that's worth like a hundred dollars a pound or something i don't exactly. know and that's and i had that conversation with someone recently that they were like oh we love everything you do because we we do a specialty blend um we've moved to that point where it's it's no corn it's no soy um we have to buy it in bulk we work with another farmer we mill it and that pulls in a huge niche of a person um, to not have commercial seed. But I had this conversation with someone that's like, I love what you do, but I'm just really against Cornish Cross and and stuff. And I said, I hear you, I promise. Um, just based on numbers and just letting you know, she's like, I can't find anybody that's going to do it that way. And I said, just based on numbers, letting you know, um, running the cost, because I've run them, I've, I've raised them before, your whole bird would be about $64. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. That's wild. That's right, which is why there is no such thing as a small mid farm that doesn't do some type of now there are some that do what's the other one? Um the American breast BR yes. SSE, I think. Yes, which they grow longer than Cornish Cross, but I but I think they still put on a significant amount of meat 
And I still think they're not as long as the other ones. They still don't forage. Like, because that's the other thing. People want the other ones because they apparently forage better. Um, and I'm like, probably so. But, you know, that it's, there's no, there, I don't see it. I don't see how it's going to, it's not going to, it's not going to make it very far in a market. And that's just right. to the cost. I was selling eggs to a couple of nurses one time, and one of them asked me if my chickens were fed an only vegetarian diet. And I pretty much laughed in her face. Right. Right. Like, I don't think that exists. Uh, and if it does, that chicken's inside and not eating any right. bugs. No, that is, or... I mean, that's literally the best sentence yeah. that you can say. Like, um, so a chicken actually they'll like and maybe you wouldn't go as crazy but like you know this like a chicken will literally eat another chicken it'll eat yeah a mouse. it'll like they are carnivores they will mm -hmm. i've seen videos of people dumping their whole deer like and the chickens just oh yeah they cleaned up my deer carcass real nice yeah oh yeah exactly and so i'm like not to be rude about it but like if you wanted a chicken like that that's an indoor chicken 100 percent. yep because that and the fact that indoors, they probably have eaten themselves, if I'm being Oh, yeah. And, like, they got a, you know, you see those photos and, like, the commercial uh, commercial egg layers. Like, they got to burn their beaks so they don't mm -hmm. peck each other to death right. and because that that's, stuff. Because that's natural. Right. Mm -hmm. I know. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of questions that makes me go, like. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Agreed. So, so the, the pigs... Uh, you start off with the, you know, the wrong breed, let's say, and yeah. then you, you turn that around. So what's another, what's another something that you tried that failed or didn't work well? Yeah. So animal wise, there's not another, there's not an animal that we've done. We had two cows, um, but they're gone and we don't have enough land to run enough that it makes sense. It makes more sense for us to um, partner with someone who's doing like grass fed and have that as part of our website than yeah. go lease land at this point right now. You said um, you're on three acres? No, we have seven. We have seven. seven, okay. Yeah. Um, and so we just don't have the land for, for cattle. So there's not another animal that we've done that we haven't stuck with. There within all of those have been mistakes. Um, predator issues were a really big problem when we first did meat chickens like in our we outfitted like a barn stall and it was great it was a great design like we put we still put the the chicken wire not chicken wire we did the hardware cloth like on it but we didn't go all the way up so like it's a normal barn stall and there was an owl that got in and took out you know like 40 of them and then it would be you know so stuff like that and then oh this one was the worst one we had we had new piglets on this side of the barn stall. So it's like true barn stalls that the previous owners had horses. Piglets were in here and we were hot wire training them so they could come out of the barn stall and go to our hot wire training pen. And then we put our new meat chickens in this one. Well, before we had always kind of subdivided this little barn stall, but we didn't because we had more that time. Well, they found like one little crevice in the stall and the meat chickens, oh my gosh, I kid you not. I remember walking out there and I was like, wow, the pigs are so active. And I go in the pig side and I see a little chicken in there. And I'm like, oh, what are you doing? And it's like 
pops out and I'm like, no. And the pigs are like, and then I watch another one come out and it like another one. And I see another one. I'm like, oh my God, these chickens are marching to their death. They would literally come out the little hole and then the pigs would just like, and so the pigs were just eating all of these chickens. And I'm like, how long has this been going on? Like never in my mind did I say I need to, but see, these are the, these are the things that like, you have to almost, I don't say have to, like you can be better, but like, it's going to happen one time, but it's like, okay, we raised a hundred in this brooder. So we put a partition because it was easier for food and water. Okay. Well now we put 300 in here. So we need to move the partition, not thinking through that, that partition always stopped them from getting to this side, which had the crevice because we had our, we had done eight rounds of a hundred before. So we knew how to do it. Well, we make one adjustment and then they all die. Um, oh so there's gosh. things like that. And then um, we had done probably five or six rounds out in the pasture in a chicken tractor, never had an issue. And then one day we go out there and it's a massacre. And we're like, what happened? Something got in. And it was hardware clocked. It was like everything was fine. And we're like, how did this get in? And we're like, oh, man, that really stinks. So we clean it all up, move them. Next night, same thing. Next night, same thing. I mean, we literally were losing like 20 every single time. At one point, Dustin sat, took the pickup truck, put it in the other side of the, the pasture and sat there with a gun trying to see what the heck was coming every night. Well, then he was like, I'll put a trail cam up. Next night... One was a raccoon, one was a fox, and the next one was a, um, not a bobcat. Yeah, a bobcat. And so oh, he was wow. Like, yeah, so it was like they, some Go to like, buffet for, for those they, things. For right. Those, wow. But, that, but those are the things. It's like we had done five or six rounds and nothing ever got in. And so that then introduced, and we lost so much during that round. And we were banking on it, you know, and stuff like that. So then we ran an electric wire around it because it was like we can't put all this money and work in and lose that so that wasn't necessarily like a one word answer of like yeah we tried this and it didn't work I guess the answer is there is not something there isn't an animal that we haven't put out here that we haven't had a complete and utter failure on every single one of them there's not one um sheep have been a little bit easier I guess there hasn't that's surprising yeah Sheep are easy. I think, I don't, I don't think that, I think every homestead, homestead or small farm needs to have sheep. I think they're, they're so vital for, they're, they're so great on the grass. They're such great foragers. Um, They don't get out like goats. Like we single strand, keep them in double strand sometimes when, when we have a ram in there. Um, They lamb fine on pasture by themselves we had like negative 10 degree weather and they all lambed of course um what breed is this um we do a dorper katahdin i think that's how you say it okay so our ranch is a a full blood katahdin and then the the um ewes are dorper katahdin um they're wonderful meat it sells really well we sell out like crazy um we can never keep it in stock and we don't do grain fed. So your input costs are outside of infrastructure, like first getting, like if someone was doing it for the very first time and you needed to get reels and, and hot wire and stuff like that. Outside of that, we don't do, there's no other input cost. 
Um, and especially if you're lambing, then, I mean, obviously there's more details to this, but if you're lambing, then your lamb is free. So then now you've only paid for your butcher cost. And sure. then your lamb is very high priced, obviously, because you don't get much, but it's a premium product. So you can sell it premium and us being grass fed only, it hits another market too. Yeah. Um, where we've gotten in a little bit of issue with lamb is that we're not lambing enough. I mean, it takes sheep take a long time to grow a flock. It's not like pigs where I can just call up the, you know, find a breeder and bring 10 more in. We have to like lamb and then those lamb, some go and some stay and then we lamb and then we lamb. So, I mean, it can be eight, nine years before we'd actually be lambing what our, you know, demand is. But our problem is if you buy a lamb that's weaned or ready to go, most people are looking for 180 to $200 a lamb. Well, then add butcher costs on top of that. I've pretty much lost most of my profit at that point. Oh. So the lamb is a hard one. It's a long game one, in my opinion, if you don't okay. grain free don't grain feed because that's another thing is it's very hard for us to find ones that are not grain fed um so it's a it's more of a long term if that makes sure. sense but once you like build that it's just it just kind of hangs out there is there any anything that you process yourself or your your scale or like your volume is so much you just like we have to correct for the quality cuts and everything we just have to send it to How's well, that been? Yeah. So there's two reasons why we don't process ourselves. And we did, we first processed, um, we self-processed our chicken um, in Oklahoma. Cause remember every state is very different for this. So in Oklahoma, yes. you can self-process a certain amount of poultry only um, and still sell it to the public. I believe it still has to, it has to be whole. So you cannot do cuts and um it has to be under ten thousand birds i think which is a lot like i'm thinking like a lot of birds ten thousand birds on their own um but i think that still could be like you could have a facility on your property that's not inspected so you could still scale it but um so we did self-process in the beginning but once we got to a hundred birds it wasn't it wasn't something that we wanted to do also whole birds are hard for your customer base they want breasts they want drumsticks and so we had to have cuts um yeah. so that's number one is the scale of it. yeah correct so number one is the scale number two we cannot sell in a store um with it not being at a usda facility we can't ship which we don't ship because we don't have enough we can't even keep up with our local demand um but so that's that side the other side is for like for pigs, for sheep, for cows, we cannot self-process and sell. Um, that is only that you can, I believe, if it's like custom, like it has to, like they would have to pay for the animal and then you could like self-process mm. it. But that's not our customer base. Our customer base is, is somebody who wants it dropped off and delivered on their doorstep with a pretty label that has the date and the logo um, and then we're in the stores that like they go in and it's a pretty glass, you know, they want to look at it. So, yeah. so volume and, and regulations, we don't self process anything and time, dear Lord, I would never 
I feel like all we do is process at that point. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, we did some older meat birds. We processed those and then we processed uh, the roosters from our new flock. And between those, it was like, you know, one weekend we did one, the next weekend we did the other. And you know what? I do, I'll do it, but I don't enjoy that. I do. It was not the fun part of uh, this this endeavor i guess i don't know it's really time consuming like we the first Mm -hmm. time we did it it was like it took us a full day to do that first round well then they had to ice bath or however people do it and then we had to do it all in the next day well we don't always have two days in a row to to devote and so it was like that was a big thing is like i'm not doing this every six weeks and that like that and that's why i said after we went over 50 we couldn't get more than that done in a day either yeah. and our quality started to kind of slip um which because then, you're rushing and yeah rushing, that right and that's not like even six weeks apart like i almost had to like remind myself when i was doing it kind of some of the i was like oh yeah i need to I forgot to take the esophagus thing out and it's like i almost had to kind of like, or the lungs it. yeah yeah and so the quality i think was not as good as as somebody who's doing it quite often so um, I think if we would have done maybe some weight comparison, I think we probably cut out more meat than than a facility would too. Sure. So in the end, yeah. did you, you know, was it really a better deal? So, how long have you been working with your current processor? Oh, that's a nightmare. To be honest, I hope they know. Really? Yeah, so Northeast Oklahoma, which is where we're at, actually really most of Oklahoma has no chicken processor. Um, and there's a pretty large amount of us here that are doing meat birds. Um, one of the closest ones is like an hour and a half to two hours south of us, but their price per bird is astronomical. Um, they, they're, they're Amish. We have a pretty big, like Amish community yeah. in this part, in this part. And I think their heart, their heart is right. That's fine. They got into it for like, they also, they don't have a minimum. So it's like, it's really great for homestead where if you sure. raise 25, it still saved you money. Um, cause they have no minimum. Everyone else has a like hundred bird minimum. So your backyard person can't even bring it. So all of us in Oklahoma go to Arkansas. Um, oh, which, that's interesting. Because mm-hmm, they have so many. They have so many processors there. Um, but it's been really hard because so many of us go there. We're all competing for the same date. And we're all friends. So it's not like like we'll literally even talk. Like We share crates because you put all the meat birds in those flat crates because that's how you yeah. can see in its port. Um, my brother-in-law made that mistake. Threw him in a, um, like a trailer. <laughs> like they need to like i know it looks it's funny to like the non-farmer eye it's like oh my god they're squishing them i'm like no they're not dying trust me um so we have we share crates with each other because nobody needs the crates all at one time and so that makes sense yeah but we've we can kind of compete for dates sometimes um we're working on trying to get one opened in this area we actually kind of like farmers came together and basically went to some of our favorite butchers and we're like, will you put a facility? Cause it, it's still a different facility. It's still totally different regulations, totally different equipment, different licenses, 
but a butcher is probably your closest that's going to be like excited to do that um we basically told like told one of the butchers like if you if you start this we can guarantee about forty thousand birds your first month not we not just us right like, but i mean between everybody lesson. that's a lot that and is that's, yes oh well, yeah but that's it's all like of us ten thousand a day oh yeah that's why we're like um if somebody opens it we will some of us were like do you need funding like do you um i mean i don't have money to send to them but we were like could do could we write like letters of intent like just now um for like a bank because if they would bring like a letter of intent to the bank and say like like we guarantee we will bring this product to you which would would should guarantee cash flow month one um so that's in the works which would change so much for us we drive six hours oh currently you currently drive six hours yeah yeah it's the worst it is the worst because you have to you have to be there at like 5 a.m so oh gosh so, you have to leave at like yeah. midnight well dustin had this past couple of rounds would leave at night because he doesn't do great driving from midnight to five um and so he'd leave at night and basically sleep in their parking lot with the live birds in the back oh my gosh. <laughs> and then like wake up and drop them off um but that was actually not the hardest part. It was six hours with not a refrigerated trailer is in a hundred and plus degree weather between Oklahoma and Arkansas in summer uh, was not always a good thing. Yeah. We like he got back one time and I was like flinging them into the freezer. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. Like they were not defrosted, but like it wasn't good right so so uh, you would just pick up like those big sportsman's like igloo coolers then is that like the so they come temporary solution well so they come uh, like they're already done in boxes because the way that they do them is like since they're doing so many it's like they have they have a box it has our logo on it and it has the quantity on it and so it's all right there the bigger uh the bigger farms our, our friends just take that box and just put them straight in there like cooler trailer their freezer trailer um box trailer whatever it's called um and then go back to their walk-in freezer and then they can just stack all their boxes and it says you know like 95 chicken breasts 95 yeah. drums and then they can just pull it they can do inventory easily we obviously aren't at that point um but we're still churning through a lot of product and so at this point we get it back and then we have to pull it out and sort it and put it in all of our our freezer but we are gonna have a walk-in this year <laughs> nice there's Very not nice. Like, that's that's the thing that scaling is so crazy is that our demand is there like our demand is beyond there we're always out we're always telling people no there's probably five more stores that want us but we don't have it there's restaurant contracts there's catering contracts there's all this stuff um and it's not always that it's not that we can't raise enough. It's that we don't always have a place to put it. So that's that aspect. And it's like the infrastructure is a whole big thing. It's like I can raise 100 more pigs, but can I afford the feed for it? Because the capital right. is the hardest part. And like that's the that's the business side that I didn't necessarily, I wasn't exactly prepared for. It was like, oh, yeah, scale it. Do more pigs. And it was Send like. Send it. Yeah. 
Right. But it was like, okay, to do to do a hundred more pigs is gonna cost me twenty thousand more dollars in feed. And I and I'm not going in rounds because if you don't want an inventory gap, you have to keep it going the whole time. And you and you're raising three rounds of pigs before you're ever making a profit from any of them that you're raising. And so none of your profit has come in before you need to go buy more piglets and more feed. Yeah. So it's like it's a constant struggle of like of like you don't that's the reason why it's so hard is is because we just don't have that capital as a small family farm. Yeah. Yeah. So that part being a challenge, what would you say the mm-hmm. best part about farming is? Um I feel like I'm doing something purposeful and there can be purpose in everything. So I've never like, there's literally purpose in everything you do. Um, but I really do like this lifestyle. I really like, um, I do not like the city stuff. Like every single time I'm in the city and Tulsa is our closest big city. It's not even that big, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, why are there so many cars? What are y'all doing? (laughs) Yep. Agreed. Um, yeah, so I definitely like like more small town living. I love the nature aspect. I love that that's what we do for fun. Like, um, so I love that it's affording me that opportunity because I we want to live here and our jobs can afford it, but we want to do this all the time. So, yeah, farming is while it's not you know making us millionaires we're getting to a point where our farming is supporting the lifestyle we want to live and that that's the part where i feel like we've accomplished something is that we're not making money and then living a lifestyle we're starting to bridge the gap a little bit more that we're the we are living the lifestyle and it's making us the money no i think that's an excellent way to do it too is um just being able to make a living in the lifestyle that you want mm-hmm. whether it be partial or full time or mm-hmm. any, anything like that cuz right now we're kind of in like a a weird middle ground uh, obviously winter time uh not growing anything and a couple of weeks ago we got rid of all of our chickens cuz we're just starting over and so uh you know getting eggs um sourdough starter or you know bread or anything like that um from other farms so we're kind of like instead of putting uh financial inputs here to try to you know keep all that stuff going we're kind of spreading it out um Mm -hmm. because that's the other part of the lifestyle it's like it doesn't all like we were talking earlier it doesn't all have to be uh you don't have to be selfish about it right it's like you can spread the love and uh support everyone else yeah that was that's our like the business side of one of our concepts is eggs are a really big um draw for a customer base it's a i don't necessarily know if it's a loss leader but it's definitely not a money maker um but it is one of those big those big draws people are always looking yeah. for farm fresh eggs so you can kind of get them in your loops and maybe they'll try your chicken breasts and then they're in your pork chops and stuff yeah. like that the other part is like in the stores that we sell in our eggs are there and then they're using them the whole week. So it's like a little marketing tool in their fridge like all week long. And so there's a lot of brand awareness there. So you're not making a lot of money, but there's a huge benefit of having your eggs. So 
um, here's a little insider tip for everybody that probably doesn't know this, but we cannot keep up with the demand. Like we, like I'm talking Mm. like nine, like about 90 dozen a week is what the demand was. Well, I'm not raising that many chickens. And so we are just always out, always out. And I'm like, ah, there's gotta be something like, what do I do? And so I basically reached out to people that I knew were raising chickens and I knew their feed. I knew that they're free range um, because we buy the same feed because that's part of what we've done is being able to help source this certain feed. Um, And so I knew what they were doing. I know where they're living. And I basically said, hey, I have a proposition for you. Uh, um, This is what I need. This is what I can pay. And so I started sourcing eggs and I bring them back. I still... I have the packer's license. So there's different levels of licenses that you have to have in order to sell eggs off farm. Um, So in Oklahoma, and you can, it's like you can do whatever you want. They come on your farm. You can throw a, you know, throw a cow at somebody. But once you walk off this farm, like everything has to be regulated. So for eggs, if they're sold off farm, they need to be washed. They need to be candled. um, They need to be graded. They need to be in a, they need to be labeled. They need to be dated. They need to be in a brand new container. And every state's very different with that. Ours, I feel like are kind of in the middle. Some of it's silly. Some of it's fine. Um, But so I get all the eggs. I still wash them. I candle them. I label them. And then I sell them. And um, then I'm able to keep up with the demand. And so that was our very first kind of introduction to not always how do we scale, but who do we who do we sure no i think that's smart and i think it helps Um, everybody correct and that was my intention with it was it's like there are a lot of people i know that have no intention of doing the business side that i've done and the marketing that i've done marketing comes easy finances come easy to dustin marketing comes easy to me um and there's a lot of people that are like i don't want to share my the details of my farm with the public and i'm like totally hear that live your life that's great but you will never sell a sell a single thing if you don't share your life like that's how sales works so if you don't want to here's some money and i'll go do it and it's great for them they love it i get you know i go i go and pick it up or they deliver and i do all the work and they still it's the easy button for them yeah correct and so it works really well and so that's um kind of a concept that we are probably going to use for some other scaling purposes um there's so many ideas rolling around in our head of how do we scale certain things without us buying more land or us leasing right. more land but um there's a lot of education that we can bring a lot of like help to people and so there's some ideas that we have of uh, maybe helping people offset the cost of something that they want to do by raising some for us if it's done mm-hmm. our way our feed our method um Friend to friend, I guess this is like a live pod or like a big podcast, but friend to friend, I'm still weary about it because um, I don't want it to turn into, and this is like fake talk, but like, I don't want it to turn into this large corporation. And now I've turned into Vital Farms, who was Mm -hmm. sources from everywhere and then charges a massive, massive amount. So it's like, I don't want to do that. But at the same time, like, how am I going to, how am I going to meet the demand then? (laughs) Uh, i'm still rolling it around yeah get back to me on it but i mean like little things you know um there's uh oh man 
I'm, try, I'm bl- totally blanking on the name now. His name is Jordan Green, and I, I think it's J something Green Farms. Um, but you know, the stuff that he sells in his farm store, he, he does like all his own pigs and everything, but in his farm store, you know, he's got, you know, be like, uh, beeswax and honey and, you know, all these other things from other farms. And so you guys could do the exact same thing, you know, goat milk, whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's, and that's something that like eggs was kind of our first thing Then we did sourdough. Um, I could not keep up with the sourdough one. So it was like, oh, I guess I can't do sourdough and well instead i found somebody local that does sourdough and i pre-sell it and then i send her the number she makes it i go pick it up and it's part of our our, part of our bundle um and so there's those make sense to me the part of like raising the animals and it's kind of integrated into and i don't want it to don't want it to turn into like a quality questioning of like oh white label things because there's a lot of farms oh my gosh a lot of farms that like everything's local, but it's not. It's still coming in from somewhere and then it's just repackaged. Um, right. And if that's what you do, that's totally fine. But I think it's deceptive if you're using terms that are saying like everything we sell comes across our farm. Well, yeah, <laughs> comes across your farm. But, <clears throat> you know, so I, I'm really trying to figure out like how to still be, still have the... You know that like it's it's local it's ours it's our quality but like the authenticity of it yeah, yeah authentic yep. about it but also at the same mm-hmm. time i'm really tired of telling people i'm out of everything <laughs> yeah yeah so it's like what do you do because right. back to you, you can't do it all correct so that's that's this year's figure out uh wrapping up here yes what <laughs> would you tell people that want to get started um don't no i'm just kidding that's always like my <laughs> stay out of my no. territory no um it is literally like do it like one do it because if if you have an inkling like and a desire to do it then it's so worth it but then also like we need you like if even if your desire is to live this type of lifestyle and have these have these more traditional skills like that is so needed for your our next generation too like even just that aspect, even if you just live this lifestyle for a little bit and teach your kids some of these like where the things come from, like that's going to better our next generation anyway. So the one, like the main thing would be like, just do it if there's a desire. Um, and then the other part would be that you can research yourself to paralysis. There is so much information out there. There's so many different opinions on how to do everything. Um, you have to find that balance between not winging it and causing your family issues, but also not trying to find the way to do it. At some point you have to buy the chickens and bring them home. Start small if you're, if you're scared of the numbers, but bring them home and realize, oh, wow, like there's this and this and this and this. And like, it's amazing how you find out what you find out for yourself in such a short period of time. That would take you months to just continue to research. So right. I think finding the balance between not being stuck in research paralysis and and not being stuck on that you have to buy a course or something like that, like which could be great. I mean, I think that's amazing. We're, we live in a time that there's not really a reason why you shouldn't be able to do something. We literally have yeah. every, you can, outside of like being a doctor, 
you can learn how to do everything. I mean, you probably could learn that too, but I don't know yeah. if I'd want that. Yeah, you could. You can learn everything now. So it's like there's no excuse. I don't know how to do that. Well, go find a YouTube and try it. So yeah, the line advice. Is, I don't want to learn how to do that. But, yeah, true. Yeah. So it's worth it. It's fun, and then and then find people that you trust, and find people that eat, that have done it, and maybe there's a couple of really key people that I've watched and um, almost kind of just like tried their method like one yeah. like i'm just gonna watch like their kind of way of doing it because i've seen success in it and instead of like all these different tips everywhere because there's so many different variables and then goes back to you can just really kind of question everything so yeah no i think that's great is there anything uh you wanted to expand on or you don't think that we quite covered properly no i mean i think you know i'm sure you just realize that i overly overly no, this is perfect no this was perfect uh i've had some guests that i've had to like it was like pulling teeth to try to get answers out of it so this is yeah. this is an excellent interview that I is love not this my um issue for sure i did a podcast <laughs> um like two nights ago i don't know how it like happened they were like i'd never do podcasts which everyone's like wow so many podcasts i'm like i've done like two um but same thing it was like okay we should wrap this up and um no i feel like we covered so much i think um i think this is great i can't wait to listen to more of your podcast um well great you can probably listen to yourself tomorrow morning when it goes oh, live so <laughs> well i really appreciate uh you coming on Lindsay. when uh where could people find you and um learn more about your yeah. operation yeah, so I post a lot, um, and so there's lots of information. So I'm on Instagram. I do have a, a Graham Acres Instagram, which is our business one. I have a personal one called Life with Lens. Um, I'm on Facebook the same way. I'm on TikTok the same way. Um, and I try to post. I pr try to post tips and inspiration, and and that's where you can find me. We obviously have a website, Graham Acres, as well. If you're local, we are only servicing locals. So do not ask me if I ship my answer is going to be no <laughs> excellent i'll have a link for all that uh in the show notes so well thank you Great. this was so fun yes yes thank you for your time i really appreciate it i am matt derosier of farm hop life thanks for watching don't forget to subscribe and visit farmhoplife.com inside of the city the people are crazy out of their minds they ain't got a clue we gone away for Montana Left family and friends All I got now is you We both got new jobs A host and a homestead Thinking this was the life All that there'd be After our firstborn You had to stay home That's when the work got in the way for me well, I started Farm Hop Life. You'll come to your farm to help and to wander. Me and the family, a truck and an RV, send us a message and there.